In this episode of the Sideline Hustle podcast, we call Miami Dolphins wide receiver Leonte Carew. Our co-host Gary Nova played with Leonte in high school and college. He was Leonte's quarterback for three years at Don Bosco Prep and three years at Rutgers University, where Leonte left as Rutgers' all-time leader in receiving touchdowns, and Gary finished his career as the all-time leader in passing touchdowns. In the 2016 NFL Draft, Leonte was selected in the third round by the Miami Dolphins. In 2014, Gary's senior year and Leonte's junior year at Rutgers, Coach Friedgen was the quarterback coach and offensive coordinator, and I was the wide receiver quarterback assistant, which gave me the chance to work with Gary for one season and Leonte for two. The three of us sit down to discuss their journey through high school and college before both becoming Rutgers legends. Give me like a, a name drop so we can use for the intro. Just something like, yo, to say like, hey, what's up? It's Leonte Carew. Um, do it in your rapper voice, bro. Yeah, do it. <laughs> <laughs> yo, we're about to put your song on the podcast, Brody. Please don't do that. <laughs> Leonte got a song for real, Dan Marino. Chill, 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 bro. Don't, don't let the people know about that. <laughs> nah, we're going to edit that out for sure. I don't know. It might be on there. <laughs> But no, give me a, just give me a real quick, like, be like, hey, what's up? Uh, you know, it's Leonte Carew, and you listen to the Sideline Hustle or something like that. All right, I got you. I'm going to uh, finesse it real quick. Yo, what's up? It's Leonte Carew, Miami Dolphins, Rutgers legend, and you listening to the Sideline Hustle. Oh, you're nice, yo. You still dumb ugly. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've really known him from... Wearing V-necks and playing sharks to you know being sponsored by Adidas on Miami Dolphins. What's going on, everybody? This is your host Drew Lieberman. What up? This is Gary Nova, your everyday quarterback, and you are now listening to the Sideline Hustle Podcast. There's two guys, one guy who coached in yeah. the Big Ten and one guy who played in the Big Ten talking about their experiences. And I'm like, you did do a good job of getting rid of the football. I mean, yeah, sometimes I got rid of it to other teams. Right, right, but like, right, 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 right. From the sidelines, we gotta hustle because we gotta eat. From the sidelines, we got some goals that we still gotta reach. So I remember, I remember coming into the Ironman camp, not knowing what was going on. I was about to be a freshman. Usually, like all the freshmen have to report together, but I had to come a week early because I was going on like vacation or something. So I came with like the younger kids. So that was like Leonte being younger than me. He was there, and uh, I remember Leonte first time I saw him had a big white tee, V-neck on, <laughs> so, some shorts that were like up to his thighs, and some land sharks with ankle socks, and no gloves, no nothing. And I remember like, yo, this kid looks like he doesn't, like literally looks like he's never played football before in his life. He was probably about to be 13, I was about to be 14. You know, now being, that's 10 years ago. That's crazy. You know, so that's where, that's where it all started. That's why, I, when I remember, what do you remember about that? Do you remember that camp at all? Yeah, definitely. What I remember from the camp is, like Gary said, I came with the big white tee on, land sharks, ankle socks. Yo, the land sharks with the ankle socks is the best thing ever. <laughs> no gloves. But I just remember Gary, you know, Gary, uh, I think at the time he played for this Pot Warner team called the Bergen Broncos. Was it the Bergen Broncos? Yeah, Broncos? yeah, Bergen Broncos, yeah. So he came with like, he came with like his whole crew, you know, like he had a bunch of guys, all these 
I remember this kid named Al was there, this kid named like Tariq. It was just a whole bunch of guys that were going to Bosco next year. And they were like the cool guys. And then I'm just sitting over there, you know, with the with the land sharks on, looking <laughs> looking like a looking like a scrub. But but these kind these guys were actually kind of talented. So in my mind, you know, with Gary being the quarterback, you know, I was just trying to go out there and like you know earn my respect, you know, because these guys look looked the part. So I was just like, you know, I'm gonna go out here and just try to ball. And even though I had the land sharks on, I just went out there and tried to just earn my respect every single day. And I guess I earned Gary respect because. By the end of the camp, you know, he we we kind of like formed a friendship and we were talking, mm-hmm. and then uh, we were chilling and you know that was that was kind of the start of it. And then and then I remember uh, when Gary ended up going to the school. So Gary Gary went to Bosco, and then you know obviously, you know, obviously I went through my, yeah I went through my eighth grade year, and then uh, I did a, I did freshman for a day, and then all all of, all of a sudden I just see feel someone smack me in the back of the head like it was good boy and Gary smacked me in the back of the head I'm like <laughs> I'm like whoa what is this guy doing? <laughs> but no it was all love but it was just crazy that you know Gary actually remembered me from the camp I did my freshman for the day and then from there it was history I mean it's funny because me and Drew were talking about like obviously getting you on the phone and doing this and he was saying about like how you know me and you have a lot of history together and stuff it's funny I never really like stopped to like think about that like I don't know like if you but like when you think about it we really played with each other for eight years of our lives nine years of our lives when I was the quarterback and you were the main receiver which is pretty pretty insane yeah I, I would wonder if someone could tally like how many touchdowns and yards careerly me and you have between each other I would I would think it's more than it would have to be more than any high school to college quarterback duo probably ever yep, it would be up there I mean think about it. you like you had 17 that year and then what'd you have like your sophomore year at Rutgers you had like what eight nine sophomore year at Rutgers I had nine and then junior year I had ten yeah so. ten yeah so I mean that's that's a lot right there and then yardage on top of that so and I think it's it's cool because it's it's all in Jersey, you know. Yeah. It's like yeah. we went to the, we went to the we went to Bosco, it was the number one in the country, number one in Jersey. We went to Rutgers, so I mean it's it's definitely special. And now and like when I talk about it now, I'm thinking like it's just crazy. It's like surreal to like actually talk about it because you kind of uh, you kind of just like kind of take it for granted because you know it's just like yes, your boy, whatever you go through it. But now when you talk about it, it's like damn, like I really known him from. Wearing V-necks and playing sharks to you know being sponsored by Adidas on the Miami Dolphins, right. so it's come, I think out of come full circle. I, I think out of all the success that me and Gary had like between each other, my favorite year was definitely like my Rutgers sophomore year and all like the game-winning touchdowns we, we threw to each other. Like, yeah, I think that was that was probably crazy because you threw me. I think that year I led the country at one point in like fourth quarter touchdowns. And I think yeah. you might have threw me like six or maybe five, five or six game-winning touchdowns. If you think about like SMU, Arkansas, Fresno. Temple, Temple. Temple yeah. Temple, we had that one. Yo, the one against SMU was the one that was like between those two guys in the back of the end zone. Yeah, but the, even, cra- even crazier before that was it was like, what was it, like fourth and 25 or something like that? It was yeah, like crazy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we called the go route. And they had like they had like bricks along their like end zone, like mm. in their, their stands. And there was like no padding; it was just like a brick wall. And it wasn't even like it was like twenty yards past. It, it was like, like maybe like ten yards behind yeah. the end zone. So he runs a go route. I throw it up. Like he catches it. Like gets one foot in. Like right before out of bounds. And the DB is like on him. And obviously he's mad. He just got beat. 
So he like shoves Leontay in the brick wall. Leontay, did you get a concussion from that? Then you got a concussion from that. I did. I did. <laughs> That's crazy. He pushed me right in my back. My head was done. It's funny talking to you like this because you know we talk every day, Facetime every day. So it's funny to. Uh, talk to you in, in this format i think our connection on the field was so strong just based of our based off of our connection off the field like it just transitioned over like it was nothing still to this day you know like it's just people wonder why we're always together is because just the connection and the bond that we had on the field will last forever i feel blessed man that i can call both you guys friends for real for real you know like i i was lucky enough to play college football like and then just like grinding my way to being at Rutgers. Like it's almost surreal to me that I'm sitting here and like I know both you guys so well and consider you guys friends and you know, did did what I could to help make you guys better players. And it's just it's it's just wild to me, man. Like you guys have, have accomplished so much. Like it's it's something to appreciate, it really is. Yeah, but that but that's the thing, you know, you got you you know, these interns, you know, over the years they, they come through Rutgers and, and you know, they're kinda there and you know, they're just they're almost just happy with like you know being a assistant coach at Rutgers or you know you know doing things like steady hall hours but like for for to to, to give you credit like you are a guy that like I actually seen like grind for the team like you're a guy that you know was was in the study hall rooms where you were watching film anything to make the team better or if anyone called you or texted you in the middle of the night like you know there have been times where I text you at night like yo Drew like you know what's your script for tomorrow or something like yeah. that you were always down to like just help or just do anything you could to make the team right. and the players better you know yeah no i appreciate that man when i was at albany i wrote a letter to cliff kingsbury who was the head coach at texas tech and he's the youngest college football coach in america and i sent him a letter and i was like yo like what how did you make that happen what advice do you have and he sent me a letter back he was like listen the two main things i was focused on was outwork everybody in the office and and do right by the players always and that was the big thing that stuck with me was just do right by the players, man. Like that's all that matters. Absolutely. You know, you went. I remember you coming into Bosco. You were you, uh, Darius. You guys were like the big, uh, big names coming in from like the freshman class. And then uh, me being a sophomore, um, playing in the sophomore games and the JV games. You know, you uh, you were there with the number one. Everybody had the big jerseys on, big pants. You still had the land sharks popping, and uh, no glo- no gloves. <laughs> And you were scoring like, we were running like the same play every game, just like 91 straight go routes. And you were running past everybody, catching balls for touchdowns in the sophomore games and stuff like that. So, I mean, that's like, just for people that don't know, like that was knowing you from the camp and then playing with you in like the sophomore games. Like that's pretty much where like we really started, I guess, the little connection that we had. Um, you know, going through the rest of high school and then Rutgers. And then real quick, I just want to talk about, um, our first pass. Remember the first? Do you remember our first like real varsity pass that I threw to you? Yeah, De La Salle, baby. Yeah, the De La Salle game. I remember it was like a play action Texas. We used to call it Texas, which is like a uh, basically a play action with a deep post and, a, and an over route dig. And uh, Leonte was running the dig. Threw, I threw it up pretty high. I thought I overthrew him, and like nobody knew who this kid was. Like he didn't even. I don't even know. If, did you really play that much before that? Oh no, not really. Not really, right? Like that was like kind of like maybe like your first play at the varsity level, or like maybe like the second, third play, whatever. And he comes yeah. across the middle and like <laughs> catches it on like his fingertips over like a, their middle linebacker was like committed to like USC or something like that. Kid was like a monster. 
He catches it. He should have scored, but he like <laughs> broke a tackle. And he gets up and he like so hype. He like starts clapping for himself. <laughs> <laughs> he like runs back to the huddle. And everybody's like, "What's this kid doing?" But that was like the birth of like Leonte after that. And then everybody's like, "Oh man, like this kid, like it's legit. Like right. it's the first play he made like on varsity against De La Salle. There was probably like ten thousand people there." And it was like, like, oh, this kid is like, this kid is the real deal. <laughs> he was clapping for himself. Yo, you, yeah, you got to pull it up. And you know, he got them long ass arms. So it just looked retarded and he's clapping. I always, I remember that play like it was yesterday. That was great. Still, still no gloves. No gloves too. Oh yeah, no gloves. I think you had the, you might've had the land sharks. You might've had the new balances on. <laughs> no, I had the, I had the new balances. <laughs> I had the new balance cleats on. With the, we were like the top 10 team in the country sponsored by New Balance. <laughs> yeah, obviously that year we won a national championship. We were finished number one in the country, USA Today, Max Preps, all that. And then coming into the next year, everybody kind of doubted us because we had we had a young, talented team, but nobody really knew what it was, what it was going to be. Then Patterson Catholic closes down. So then we get Elijah Shoemate and Al-Qadim Muhammad to like, Big time recruits. Mm -hmm. So now we got our defense is loaded with like all sophomores. And then we have Jabril Peppers, who's about to be a freshman. Mm -hmm. So our team is stacked with, I mean, probably on that team, what, there's four guys on that team that have played in the NFL, all just on defense. I remember our first game against Gilman. That was my first touchdown pass to Leonte. I remember he was, yep. were, I was like a under route. You ran like a shallow crosser. I threw it to you, broke a tackle, you scored. That was the first touchdown pass I threw to you. That actually counted for varsity because we threw a lot in, in the Selfmore JV games and stuff like that. The first play of my Division One coaching career uh -huh. was the first play at Washington State. It was a, a Nova to Leonte touchdown to open the season. <laughs> crazy. And you know what's crazy about that? Uh, we'll get to that later, but every touchdown that he's had in the beginning of the year has been a go route lined up on the left side. That was, that was his first touchdown of every every season. His sophomore year was against Fresno State. It was a go route on the left side. His junior year against uh, well, Washington, Washington State, State was a go route on the left side. And then his uh, senior year against, uh, was it Norfolk State? Yep. Norfolk State was a go route on the left side for a touchdown. The first, like, yeah, everything. True. So, what? how many touchdowns did you have that junior, our junior year, your junior year against uh, at Bosco? How many did you have? You had a lot, right? Uh, right. My junior year at Bosco, I had 17 touchdowns. Yeah, he had 17 touchdowns, and I think I threw 23. <laughs> so, <laughs> so every touchdown. Was so that man. makes sense. So we were just talking to Ralph Lee, and and Ralph was talking about he was like, man, Leate has these God-given abilities to go catch the football. Like he's got these strong hands. Like he'll catch, he'll turn interceptions into completions. Like he's got this ability to do that. He goes almost to a fault because <laughs> Gary would throw it up to him at any point all the time when he shouldn't have. <laughs> yeah. well, real quick on that, I remember, I don't know if you remember Lee, uh, when uh, Coach Prince, our junior year, when he was always talking about like throwing the ball in the, throwing the, ball in the hole when cover two. Yeah. And I always, I always used to try to throw it to you in practice and sometimes I got away with it, sometimes it got picked off and he'd be like, yeah, like I told you. Yeah. he was always like, you can't just throw it to number four, like you're, <laughs> it's going to cost us one time. We play in Fresno State. We're kind of rolling on offense. Like we got to, I, you might have had two touchdowns already. Like Derek Carr yes. was the quarterback, and I remember we just got an interception. Our defense got an interception. We call like all go or something. It's cover two, and I just like blindly chuck it at Leonte. Gets picked off. Coach Prince is screaming at me. He's like, "How many times do I have to tell you like you can't just throw him the ball? Like you have to read the defense." <laughs> I was just like. <laughs> 
he was rolling, so I was like, man, I'm gonna just throw it over there and see what happens. And then like after that play, there was like, he had how many touchdowns did you have that game? Three or four? I had three. Yeah, had three. three that game, yeah. So I want to talk about like more about Bosco and like what we kind of went through, you know, together and what made that team. So uh, just just talk about like I mean obviously Anthony Campanelli, uh, coach at Boston College. He coached us in high school. Um, you know he's probably had one of the most impacts on both our lives, right, Lee? I mean you could say that, right? I mean, absolutely. Um, Mine too, to, yeah, for the record. Yeah, so Mine too, yo. He's somebody who's in, involved in this. Uh, coach is just – you talk to him for five minutes and he has that impact on you. You just feel his passion for the game and he cares about all his players. So just real quick, if you could just talk about like – remember like the summer workouts or like the off-season weight room. Like what – like when he was just building that mentality, like how do you like still like carry that stuff today like in the NFL? Like everyday mentality of, you know, being tough and all that stuff. Um, you know, my biggest thing is is with that whole thing is like, you know, I, I look at Bosco, I look at even college, and I look at the NFL is like, you know, everybody comes from a different background. You know, like when I got to Bosco, you know, I was a kid from Edison. A lot of people were from Bergen County, you know, and all these different counties in, in New Jersey. Then when you get to Rutgers, you got guys from different states and and you know, uh, then you get to NFL, and you got you got people from all over, and it's like you know what, what Coach Ant taught me at such a young age is just like, you know, you you'll earn people's respect by just being a grinder and being tough and working hard, and then holding other people accountable. And and but when you when you start with yourself first, then other people will follow, and then you're able to lead and you're able to do things differently. And when I got to Bosco, you know, I could I can honestly say I was. I was a 13-year-old, 14-year-old, like, you know, little boy. And, and Coach Ant made me make a decision every single day that you were you were either going to get better and you were going to be tough or you were going to, you were just going to quit. And and he made quitting actually not an option. And to this day, you know, there's, there's times where you wake up and you're like, you know, man, I don't feel like working out or man, I don't feel like going to practice. But then you think of like people like Coach Ant who's just, you just seem the, the mentality that he just instilled in you as a 13 year old little boy that you just it just clicks in your head and you're like I'm still that same kid that just grinded every single day and got me to this point uh, of where I'm at you know I, I actually you know people talk about you know your parents and teammates and, and and things like that 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 helped you get to this level but you know Coach Ann played a humongous role in my life huge 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 role in my life to get me where I'm at because of all the things he instilled in me as a little kid that I still kind of, you know, carry over to this day, you know, just hard work, dedication, just mental toughness, and just, you know, caring about others. That That's my whole whole philosophy, you know, if, if I'm gonna grind, you know, at the end of the day, I, I'm not doing it for myself, I'm doing it for my teammates, I'm, I'm trying to make my family proud and all my teammates and all my friends proud as well. And, and that's something that Coach Ant just, just always instilled in you as a kid. And, and uh, you know, a guy who just truly loves football, you know, every single day, you know, when you when you stepped on that field at Bosco, he just made you he, he made you want to quit. But at the same time, he also put it in you where you weren't going to quit because you didn't want to let anyone down. And I was blessed enough to have him at Rutgers and also have him at Bosco, too. So that was just probably the coolest thing ever. One thing I also want to talk about is um, Coach Toll and, uh, you know, kind of how he's had an impact on you. And, I mean, obviously I know, but just for people who don't know. I mean, like, for me, Coach Toll, like, he has a lot to do with the mentality that I still have, like, every day as far as not making excuses and just being tough and outworking the guy in front of you. 
when I think of Coach Toe, I just think of a, like you said, a guy who pretty much instills in you, like, not making excuses and, you know, not feeling sorry for yourself. But I, when I think of Coach Toe sometimes, I think of life after football. Beating that guy out if, if, if you, whatever your career wants to be one day, you know, whether, you know, when my football career is over and, and, and I have dreams of, of being like a sports commentator one day and I'm up against a guy who might be talented or smarter than me or something like that. You know, Coach Toll always made me think of, you know, just outworking the guy, you know, just being prepared and, and waking up before the guy and just, just not letting the guy outcompete you to, to win that job. You know, he was a guy that wasn't afraid to tell you, you know, that he loves you and, and that, you know, he was going to tell you every single day that, you know, he loves you and he's proud of you and, and he just wants, you know, you to be a not only a great football player, but a great man. He was definitely a guy, you know, him and Coach Chandler are, are pretty much the same guy. You know, I, I owe them, you know, pretty much the world. You know, they uh, them along with my parents and, and the Yankovic family and, you know, my teammates, your friends growing up, you know, they, they were they were two guys that, you know, helped me grow up from from being a boy into into a grown man you know at such a young age lee you you mentioned uh the yankovich family if you don't mind real quick just like kind of summarizing kind of that whole situation i remember uh like it was yesterday i was in a uh, sixth grade in jersey actually in the tri-state area they have this this show called msg varsity and uh, i remember seeing bosco playing bergen like one of the bosco classic bosco bergen classic football games and i remember watching him on tv and i see coach toe screaming at the refs screaming at the players and like just seem so passionate about football and they're on TV and I'm like, wow, like, you know, uh, I would love to go to a school like that. And I remember I'm telling my mom about Don Bosco and she's like, what what the heck is a Don Bosco? Like she's she's laughing at me, not paying any attention to me. And then one day she signed me up for the football camp. And, uh, you know, the football camp is obviously where I met Gary and everybody at. And then I got accepted into the school and I passed the co-op exam and things like that. And now my mom was like, wow, now the, now the difficult part starts. Like, how do I get you to school every day? Uh, when you're a freshman at Bosco, there's this, there's a cookout, you know, like a barbecue that the parents and the coaches, they all have for you so that the parents and the players, when you're a freshman, could all meet each other. The Yankovic family at the time, they had just moved to Jersey. They're, at, they're originally from Altoona, Pennsylvania, and they just moved to Jersey, so they barely knew anyone. You know, me and my mom are from Edison, which is like an hour and 15 minutes away, and we barely know anyone. I'm sitting there with my mom and Allison Yankovic, who, who I call my mom to this day, she she's sitting there by herself and and her and my mom kind of just look at each other like hey like let's sit next to each other and they start you know talking and my mom says you know we're from edison it's you know it's an hour and 15 minutes away leontay just got accepted into the school and and allison she says you know we live in ramsey and we're from pittsburgh we barely know anyone either and they start sharing stories with each other and kind of to break the ice between uh the, each other allison goes well if leontay uh once anytime he can he he can stay with us anytime he's tired or anything so you know my mom she wasn't gonna just give me up that easily and uh so from about september to january i would say my freshman year at bosco me and my mom was driving back and forth you know every single day waking up at 
four thirty in the morning. That's crazy. And, uh, yeah. And things kind of got, you know, a little rough. I actually had a meeting with Coach uh, Nunzio, who was the athletic director and offensive coordinator at Bosco at the time. Also, Coach Toll, and I was actually going to transfer. You know, things were just hard, you know, waking up at 4.30. Just the dedication as a 13-year-old almost seemed like it wasn't worth it. It was just too hard on both of us. My mom, she, she, she remembered the Yankovic family, and she sent her a phone call, sent her a message, and, and they were speaking on the phone. And uh, Mrs. Yang goes, you know, who... Who am I to mess up a kid's dream? It was his dream to go to this school. And it's not like we don't have the space. You know, we would love to have Leontay come stay with us. And my mom started crying on the phone. And from there was history. And, you know, I called them mom and dad. And, you know, they had three kids, three kids of their own, Emily, Mike, and Danny. I called, you know, Mike and Dan, my brother and my sister, my brothers. And, and I called Emily, my sister. And, you know, I still talk to them every single day. And back in 2008, I started staying with them. And, you know, they're still family to this day yeah that's beautiful bro yeah i mean like, that's, honestly that's unbelievable i mean obviously i know the yankovich family and i know mike you know they're just they're great people i think you know that whole school we were very lucky to go to that school that was i mean i didn't live an hour 15 minutes away but i lived you know 20 minutes away you know which you know wasn't anything compared to what you had to drive but some days you know everybody was always you know if you want to stay here you can stay with me you know we have an extra room you can stay here no doubt you know, sometimes I would sleep over and get rides in the morning. They would always be just very welcoming and, and just very, you know, open arms. Lee, when did you know, like, go back to high school, when did you know you were going to be a great player? I would probably say my, my senior year, kind of, because my junior year I had a really, really good season up until the playoffs. And when we got into the playoffs, I had I had a, a, a really, really bad playoffs. I dropped, like, a lot of touchdown passes that Gary was throwing towards me. The state championship game, I dropped like five touchdown passes, and like that's one thing. That's another credit to Gary. He in that game, he he just kept he just kept throwing the ball to me. Like he never gave up on me, kept giving me the ball. Still had tremendous trust in me. Yeah, that real just, quick that on that, real quick on that. I remember, I remember state championship game we're playing, and you had a couple drops, and I I don't want to say anybody's name, but someone on the sideline is like, "There's other people on the field that are that are uh, that can make plays for you. Like don't be don't be afraid to throw it their way." I'm like, look, this is the biggest game of our lives. I'm not throwing the ball to anybody else besides <laughs> number one. Like, I'm not throwing the ball to anybody else. Like, if he drops 20, he's going to catch one at least. Like, and that probably will be the biggest one. Yeah, so my senior year, after after I had that bad junior year, I was like, you know, I'm never going to drop a pass again. And I think my senior year of, of Bosco, I think I had one drop that whole entire year. You know, that's when, you know, I had a really – Big year that year, I was, you know, scoring punt returns and kick returns. And, you know, I scored the game when a touchdown versus uh, Manatee, which was like the number two team in the country at the time. And their cornerback was going to like Florida State. That's when I realized, you know, like, you know, as long as I I do my job and I and I stay tough and I do do everything I've been doing, you know, I can really become a great player. And I'll never forget my, my, my freshman year at Bosco, this kid named Nick Vetterline, who was a a wrestler at uh, Virginia Tech, he told me, he was like, he was like, you're going to be an Army All-American one day. And I laughed at him. I was like, no way. Like, do you do you know how great and crazy you got to be to be an Army All-American, like, in high school? And he was like, like, what do you mean? Like, you're talented. I'm telling you, you're going to be an Army All-American one day. And, and then I was an Army All-American in high school. So it was just great. I want to I kind of talk about that whole situation when Coach Shiano left. Because I know for me, it was nuts because, you know, we were working out in the weight room. Uh, just a normal, normal off-season day, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, 
I think one of our players was on a treadmill. He saw it pop up on like the TV and the treadmill. He let everybody know. And the next thing you know, the whole building is lined up in the in the in the training room watching the TV, not knowing what the hell is going on. And I know you have a story about, you know, the coaches actually being there at Bosco recruiting you. Every single assistant coach, uh, wide receiver coach, running back coach, linebacker coach, DV coach, every single coach is at, at Bosco that day. And we're in the gym, me, Darius, Hamilton, Elijah Shoemate, Yuri Wright, you know, pretty much uh, big time recruits. I was the only guy at the time that was committed. It was about six days before signing day. And uh, they were all in there trying to get the other guys to flip wherever they're going and just convince guys to, you know, eventually come to Rutgers. And I'm in there trying to talk to Darius and Elijah and trying to get them to come to Rutgers. I remember our gym teacher, he, he it pops up on his ESPN app on his cell phone. And he shows uh, Coach Fleck, which would have been my receiver coach at the time. He's like, you guys see this? And it, it says on the ESPN ticker, Coach Iano headed to Tampa Bay. And, and all the coaches, you know, pretty much in the gym, just like their eyes got big. And they just pretty much just start flipping, not flipping out, but they, they, they jump on the phone. They're calling their wives. They're calling yeah. their family. They have no idea what's going on, and I don't know how it works. But all, every coach pretty much just left Rutgers, and that, I, I was pretty upset because I was the first big recruit to commit. You know, I, I was committed to Rutgers, and I was ready to sign, and it was just hard for me because all the coaches that I built relationships with, I remember a guy like Coach Halfley and Coach Fleck, you know, guys that recruited me that I built relationships with, you know, now that you're telling me they're not going to be there after they promised me all these dreams. It was a little hard. And I remember um, which made, what made me really stay loyal to Rutgers is, is one for the fans and also a guy who actually isn't there anymore. His name was Tim Pernetti. He was the athletic director. He actually personally called me on the phone and said, don't worry, Leonte, you know, you're one of our top recruits. We're going to call, we're going to hire a head, I'm going to hire a head coach that is going to be great for the program, you know, no worries. And, you know, he stuck to his word and he, he hired a, a, a in-staff guy which was Coach Flood. And the funny thing about Coach Flood is he was the first coach at Rutgers when I was going into my sophomore year at Bosco to Facebook message me saying, hey, Leontay, I'm Coach Flood, offensive line coach at Rutgers. You know, you're on our radar. He was literally the first coach to ever message me at Rutgers. And, and then he became the head coach, which was which was extremely cool. And then I, I was able to get guys like Darius Hamilton and Steve Wong and Quanzel Lindbergh to all commit to Rutgers. And, you know, it was just great. That day was, was crazy. I mean, especially being on campus, you know, guys didn't go to class for two days because we didn't know what was going on. I think, you know, Coach Chiano was such a good recruiter that basically a lot of guys were going, were going to Rutgers just off the fact that they felt like the stability was there. He, he was building a house that was like $2 million. He's been at Rutgers. He, he he basically built them from from nothing to having them ranked in the top twenty five, right. top, uh, top, top five, five top 10, you know, yeah. top whatever. With, with Ray Rice and Mike, who's also a part of this, and then you know, kind of just he's telling you that dream that he's not going anywhere, and this is this is where the program is was trending up. So everybody kind of wanted to jump on. So when he left, everybody was kind of like, man, what like what are we here for? We were here for kind of this guy. He's gone. Why do we stay? I think uh, having the confidence, knowing that like Leonte and Darius and all these guys committed, was a big reason why I even stayed. Because it was like, all right, like he may be gone, but at the end of the day, it's players that got to go out there and play, and we got a really good, talented class coming in. I think we'll be fine, and that was kind of my mindset going going forward. Also, shout out to Tim Pernetti too. I mean, he did a great job with us as a team, kind of being in a, as as a as the head figure and standing in and letting us know constantly what was going on, who he was kind of uh, interviewing. And I think him hiring Coach Flood had a lot to do with, with the, the guys on the team. I think he really felt that the guys on the team didn't want somebody to come in and change everything because we had a really senior-driven class coming up. All those guys were great players. 
And, uh, you know, kudos to him for kind of, you know, listening to those guys and, and, and hiring a guy who was in staff and kind of keeping everybody together. Because I think if he honestly, if he didn't do that, I think a lot of guys would have left. And uh, who knows, maybe we, did, we wouldn't have been won the Big East that year. We wouldn't have, you know, accomplished some of the things that we accomplished as a, as a, as a team. So, uh, what's your most what's your most memorable moment from Rutgers League? I would say definitely my junior year after we beat Michigan. Yeah, I would probably say it was probably like the the best feeling. And you got you got knocked out of that game too, man. I thought you might have been dumb, bro. I was scared. Shitless. Yeah, but that's that that's that tough mentality that that I learned from Bosco. There was no way I was coming out of that. Oh yeah, I was I was I was gone. You know, uh, and that was my fault though because <laughs> correction, I threw yeah, a lot of hits. So still, time. yo, Lee, no, Lee was <laughs> listen, yo, Lee. When I teach the glance route to my players at Wesleyan now, I still I'm like, listen. This is the best player I've ever coached, and here's what happens when you don't run the route the right way. You get your <laughs> knocked out. <laughs> exactly. I got. I was. I was out. Only thing. I, only thing I loved about that play is that I held onto the ball. No doubt. I was. I was out for. I was really out. But there was no way I was coming out. Nah, I know. You. You missed like maybe. You missed like a quarter. I feel like maybe. Maybe I less. Think I missed like. Yeah, I, I think I missed like two series. Yeah. 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 But I was stressing in the back. When I was out, I was I was back there stressing. I was just like, I gotta get back. I heard the, the crowd yelling and everyone screaming. I'm like, I gotta find a way to get back into this game. I don't know what's going on out there. I remember, I remember myself when I threw and you called it. I got hype. You know, I looked to the sideline to get the next play, and then they're like, oh, Lee's down. I'm like, yeah. No disrespect to the other guys on our squad. We had some we had some guys with the play, but I'm just like, man, that's a great team over there. We need all our guys. Yeah. How about that Temple game though? I think I think for me that Temple game was huge for me because I remember that was your, your, your that was Lee sophomore year, your junior year. Yeah, my junior year because we were just we weren't a good team. Uh, you know, I think I think the the offense that we were not even the offense, just like the play calling. Nobody really believed in what we were doing. We were kind of just out there just playing, and we knew we had a talented team. We were in the American Conference, like we should have we should have won nine ten games in that conference. We playing Temple. I think I forgot who we just lost to. Maybe like Central Florida or something. And everybody wanted me to be benched. We played Temple, and that was probably my best game. But it still came down to like the last play, and it was like fourth down. Coach calls a play, and they were playing. They were playing like too high coverage the whole day. Like they didn't want to get beat deep at all. Like they were playing over the top of Lee, playing over the top of Brandon Coleman. They didn't want to get beat deep. And then from the last play, for some reason, they decided to say. I mean, I was throwing it regardless. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I was throwing it to them no matter what. I mean, I probably shouldn't say that, but um, they blitzed the house. And Lee, the, the poor kid from Temple, one-on-one -on -one with Lee, Lee gives him a little shake at the line and blows right by him, catches it. And it was just like, that was just a huge moment for me because it was like, everybody wanted me to be the bench. It was kind of just like, a, you know, I'm here. This is this is, this is is my team. Like, yeah, wow, is my that spot. was my moment yeah. kind of thing. And that was something that yeah. I was, I always, because uh, I was going to Lee regardless. I remember that. I, yeah. I watch it on film now and I'm like, man, I was throwing that ball no matter what. Yo, Lee, at any point, like your, your sophomore year, your junior year playing with Gary, did you ever like stop and think like, yo, man, I've been with this dude forever. Like we've been doing this for so long. Did that, did that ever cross your mind while while you were in it? Yeah, definitely my uh my junior year I would say because sophomore year was kind of like the restart of Beyonce Crew and Gary Nova because you know my freshman year right. I really didn't play, so my right. sophomore year was like you know I knew that I had him for another year, so I was like, damn, we killed it this year. Can I, I can only imagine what we're gonna do next year. And then like my junior year, that Tulane game where we were literally just like playing pitch and catch like it was nothing. Yeah, and you were running the you were running the twelve yard over routes like twenty seven yards, and you were just throwing it over the head. No, that was. 
that was one of the craziest plays because I remember like me and Lee coming off the sideline and we knew exactly what we were thinking. Like I was rolling out, I looked at Lee running over, and I don't even know if like I have a visor hung out, but they looked like I just winked at him. And he went deep, and I was like, we were on the same page for a touchdown. It was great. You remember Definitely. that, Lee? You remember afterwards? I remember I talked to you. Like, we were on the same page on that. Hell, yeah. I think the, the one play where the, – the one touchdown I do remember was Fresno, and we just had talked about – we just talked about in the hotel the night before that, like, uh-huh. if, they, if they played inside leverage, you were going to change the play to a quick slant – I mean, a uh, slant and go. And literally, you came to the line, you gave me the signal, we ran a, the quick slant and go, and then I scored a touchdown. It was, it was like, yeah. like it was like crazy. That was it was fourth down playing. We I think we were down like eight, or maybe down a touchdown. And I remember, yeah, remember I call I called it the receiver meeting, and I was like on sluggo. If they're pressing and they're heavy inside, I'm gonna punch my hand, and that's gonna be a fade route. And I remember yeah. it was like the play clock was running down, and like the kid was kind of like messing with you, and then he finally walked down. I real quick gave you the sign. And I just one, two, three, threw it up, and you made a great catch. I remember that. That was that was a great moment too. Even at uh the Tulane game, they were playing cover two, and you're running the go route. <laughs> I watch you on film now, and I'm like, yo, that should have been a pick. But Leontay's running. I chucked it as far as I could, and you caught it. And you I ran by like, the cover two man. safety. Even the yeah. announcer was like, yeah, that wasn't a very uh, smart decision. But Leontay Carew runs past the guy. But, uh, <laughs> But, um, Lee, was it hard your senior year going from like your first two years playing like your first two years really playing at Rutgers? You're with your boy, like you're you're one of your best friends as a starting quarterback. Was it tough then transitioning to now being you're the guy, you're the best player on the team to transition to another quarterback? Yeah, it really was because when you just you just play with a guy for so long, you just you just have that. Like Gary said, it was almost like sometimes he just came to the line and I just had a feeling and I just knew he was coming to me, you know, and it was just like, you just, you're so excited about the play because you you know it's coming your way. And all you got to do is just run past the guy, beat your guy, and you know Gary's going to throw a perfect, accurate pass. So it was just like, you know, not that I didn't have a tremendous trust in love. It's just that when when you're so used to, like, even the, even the media, when they were interviewing me, like, you know, how are you going to adjust not playing with Gary Nova for the first time like ever in a while and it was, I was just like I didn't even really think about like how much success we had up until he was gone like my senior year like wow this this guy has been throwing me the ball for damn near seven years so it's kind of yeah. like it was just like it was crazy and you still even your senior year man like you and Chris had what two you guys had what maybe three different three touchdown games you had three against Norfolk three against Indiana three against Michigan State yeah yep it really, it really blows my mind when I think about it, and I think the more we get into this, the more I want to talk about it. You guys played together for so long. That's, that shit is unheard of. But I said, right? That's all we need for now? Yeah. Lee, you're the man, yo. I, I appreciate this. Nah, I got you, man. It was fun, bro. Yeah. All right, Lee. Love you, bro. Love you too, bro. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, man. Well, uh, we'll talk soon. Maybe like two weeks or something like that. All right, cool. All right, brother. All right, I'll hit you up later, Lee. Call ended. Thank you guys for listening to episode six of the Sideline Hustle podcast. Over the next few weeks, we'll be coming out with episodes just like this one. Each member of the Sideline Hustle team will tell their own football journey and explain how they got to where they are today. Hey, hit us up on social media. We want to hear your thoughts. Tell us what you want to hear on the show going forward and how we can make this better for all the listeners. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Sideline Hustle. For more information on the podcast and on every member of the Sideline Hustle team, visit thesidelinehustle.com and check out some of the recent updates. Good luck to everyone competing across the country this weekend. We will see you guys next week.